Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Okay, well this morning I want to talk to you about keeping the fire hot in your life. We're going to be talking about this message. It's called Don't Quench the Spirit. You know, when, when each one of us first came to know Jesus Christ, the Bible says a miracle took place in our hearts. When we believed in Jesus, we didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to pay for it. We didn't have to jump through any hoops for it. All we had to do was believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for us and a miracle happened in our lives. The Bible says that our, our dead spirit was made alive And that miracle happens because the Holy Spirit enters into your life and he lights you up, he causes you to come alive, and then he he abides inside of you. And that means that there is a holy flame burning in your life today. How many of you are grateful for that flame? In the Old Testament, you know, the Holy Spirit did not live inside of people. The Holy Spirit sometimes came upon people. He rested upon prophets and certain kings and certain people that God raised up for his purpose. But it wasn't until Jesus paid for our sins that it became possible for the Holy Spirit to live inside of people. And I am so grateful that I'm on this side of Calvary. I'm so grateful that I'm in the new covenant. In the old covenant, you know, God told Moses to build a tabernacle. And and then they had an altar where they uh, burned sacrifices. And they had a a lampstand that had seven flames on it. And they had an altar of incense. But the Bible tells us that uh, the priests in the tabernacle, they didn't light a match and start that fire. The Bible says the fire that came into the tabernacle came from heaven. It fell from heaven, and then Moses and those priests tended that fire, and God said, don't ever, ever let that fire go out. So we have a holy responsibility to steward and maintain the flame of God that he has given us. In the New Testament... Paul gave an exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, a very simple verse. He said, don't quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Let's say it together. It's simple. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? How do you quench a flame? You can pour water on it. You can put a wet blanket on it. You can use a fire extinguisher. Or you can just not put any wood on it and just, and maybe let all the embers, you know, get separated. And then pretty soon it's going to go out, right? So Paul was telling the New Testament Christians, you have a fire and you have a responsibility to maintain that flame. In the Old Testament, In Leviticus 6.13, that flame that came from heaven and it was burning in the altar, it was burning in the holy place in the tabernacle, this is what 
God said to Moses, the fire shall be kept burning continually. Everybody say continually. On the altar, it shall not go out. God wants the fire of the Holy Spirit to be a perpetual flame. And in the, uh, after Moses, um, you know, and the, and the people of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness. And then when they came into the land of promise, eventually Solomon built a permanent temple and they also had a fire in that temple, and they had the altar of incense, and they had the lampstand in that temple, and the same thing happened. Nobody lit a match for that. The Bible says the flame came down from heaven. Second Chronicles 7.1, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. We have a holy, heavenly fire living inside of us. I want you to think about that for a minute. This is something precious. This is something that we value. We are not like other people. You are lit. And you're not lit by the things of the world. You know, young people today, they talk about getting lit. And we know that that's not going to be good. Right? Right? But we have been lit by the fire that came from heaven on the day of Pentecost. And ever since that day when that flame came down and those flames rested on everybody's heads in the upper room, that flame has been maintained. People have kept the fire burning even though there were moments when there was darkness on the earth and there were, there were difficult seasons and there were times like the dark ages, we call it. There were times when it seemed like the lights were going out and righteousness was hard to find. There were moments in history when it seemed like uh, the world was taking over. But then, just like we heard in that video a moment ago, there were moments like Azusa Street when heavenly fire was rekindled in the hearts of people and there were re revivals that erupted. And ever since Pentecost, that flame has been maintained and it has been burning brighter until we come to today. And even though we're, it seems like we're in dark times and we turn on the television and we hear what's going on and it seems like our culture is falling apart, it seems like darkness is being promoted in our own nation right now and you can get pretty discouraged when you listen to what's going on uh, just listening to the news. Uh, by the way, here's just a little tip for you. Don't just listen to the news. Because I'm so blessed. I get to travel. I get to go around the world. And I get to go around even in this country. And even though it's dark, folks, I want you to know there is a fire burning even in the United States. And that fire is burning all over this globe. And there has never been a moment in history when there was more Holy Ghost fire burning on this planet than there is right now. And you're, you're a part of it. Here you are sitting in a cornfield. And there's hundreds of people, some people driving two hours to come to this place to worship because they want to stoke the fire of the Holy Ghost in their lives and it's not just about stoking the fire, but it's about taking the fire to other places. 
And so this morning, I just want to bring an exhortation to you that God is saying, do everything you can to keep this fire burning brighter and brighter in your life, and don't do anything that would put the flame out. And this morning, I want to give you some ways that the church at times has put the fire out. And I want to warn us all this morning, this is a little bit of a, a jab, if you, uh, I hope you're okay, that the Word of God sometimes gets in our business. Is that okay? And we want to make sure that we learn from the mistakes of the past and that we don't ever do anything that would put out this holy fire. So I'm going to give you five exhortations this morning. You can write these down. Number one, don't sell the Spirit. Do not exploit or misuse the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved on the first day, and then more and more Jews in Jerusalem began to get saved, and there was revival in that city. And then it, it didn't stay contained in that place because the fire of God never stays contained. The fire of God always spills out. The fire of God always goes from Norris City to Mount Carmel to Carlinsville and to the next city where you're going. The Holy Spirit always takes new territory. And so in the book of Acts, we read that uh, the gospel began to spread into Samaria. Philip, the evangelist, he took the message of the gospel to Samaria, and people were celebrating and rejoicing as they were giving their hearts to Jesus, and the power of God was being poured out, and people were healed, and there were demons coming out of people. People were screaming as they got delivered of demons. There was revival in that place. But then there was this guy named Simon. The Bible tells us he was a sorcerer. And he saw the power of God and he wanted it. He, he went to the apostles as he said, I would like to have that. I want to buy that. He wanted to buy the power of God because he also wanted to sell the power of God. And he wanted to use it to build his own name and his own agenda. See, we have to be careful, especially those of us who begin to experience God's power, and all of a sudden, you know, you realize that people are standing in front of you. They want what you have. They want a prophetic word from you. They want you to pray for them. Be careful when that happens. Don't let that go to your head to where you would become a sorcerer, but you are simply a humble, broken channel of the fire of God. Amen? You know, I've, I've been in meetings where the power of God was moving and maybe in the prophetic. And then all of a sudden this guy would get up and he would say, uh, tonight we're going to be giving prophetic words. And if you would like a prophetic word, tonight I'm going to ask you to stand up and write a check for $1,000. I was not in that meeting, but I tell you that if I had been in that meeting, I would have run out the door. Because we don't do that, folks. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for sale. God's power is free. You might turn on your TV late at night. You might hear some evangelist. 
and he's telling you that if you send a gift of $79.99, you can get a healing or you can get your uh, wayward child saved. It's a tragedy what we have allowed in the spirit-filled movement in our country because when that kind of stuff goes on, we are putting out the fire of the spirit. Don't do that. I don't believe anybody in this church does that. I know your leadership. I know you guys don't do that. But I'm just telling you right now, that's one of the ways that we have quenched the spirit. There have been moments of revival that hit this nation. And then people decided they wanted to use God's spirit to exploit or to push their own agenda. And it put out the spirit's fire. Number two, don't fake the spirit. I spend a lot of my time with young adults, the younger generation today. They are hungry for God. I love this younger generation. They get a lot of grief sometimes. We bash them for certain things. But one thing I know about the younger generation today, they want the real, genuine, authentic power of God. And they are tired of seeing fakes and phonies. Yeah, my generation's tired of it too. It's just the problem is we just kind of let it happen. We let it go on. You know, um, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is often, um, it is symbolized by oil. And in the Old Testament, God told Moses to make anointing oil. And he, he told him exactly what ingredients to use. He used uh, olive oil. He used Myrrh, he used cinnamon and some other ingredients. And actually, if you study that, you find out that every one of those ingredients in that oil symbolizes Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit's anointing always exalts Jesus. It always looks like Jesus. It always points people to Jesus. And God told Moses, take that oil and and anoint everything in the tabernacle and also anoint all of the priests. And so if you walked into the tabernacle, it would smell like that anointing oil. The tabernacle was literally dripping with that oil. It's a picture of what God wants the church to look like. He wants the church to be filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wants each one of us as priests to God to be dripping with that anointing oil. But if you want the oil of God in your life, you want, the re- you want God's recipe for that. Amen? You don't want to mix the oil with anything else. And the problem is that sometimes today in this spirit-filled movement that, that we are all a part of, there are sometimes people who get the bright idea that they want to mix the anointing with something else. And maybe they want to mix it with their own ideas and their own agendas And then when they come to minister, guess what? It's not going to smell like Jesus. It's going to smell like somebody. It's going to smell like a person. It's going to smell like human flesh. God does not want our flesh mixed with the anointing. He wants it to be pure and genuine and authentic. How many of you want the real thing? You want the real anointing of God. You don't want a substitute. You don't want fabrication. You want the real thing. You know, sometimes it's a little bit comical what we do in, in church because, you know, we all want to see God move. 
and uh, we want to see the power of God. And, you know, we've been in meetings maybe where we came and people came to the altar and uh, they received prayer. And then sometimes because they, are over, they, they feel overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, they might just kind of feel weak at the knees and they fall. I'm sure some of you that has happened. I've seen that happen in this room. That happens, right? And that's real. When it's God, it's real. But how many of you know sometimes it's not real? We have something called a courtesy drop. That's when people just go, I think I'll go up and get in prayer, and then they just fall back. But we also have people that they just aggressively want God to move, and if God's not moving, they're going to make something happen. So they're going to they're going to push, and you're going to be like this, and they're going to be like this. And they're saying, don't resist the Spirit, don't resist the Spirit. <laughs> One time I was in a conference in uh, Orlando, Florida, and there was a famous evangelist there, somebody that I respect, and, and at the end of the message, he said he was going to pray for all the full-time ministers in the room, so... They told me to come, and we were all coming up to the front. We got on stage, and they told me where to stand. And so I stood there, and then this guy came to pray for me. And he walked over, and then he just goes, wow. <laughs> and I fell to the floor. And my friends ran over to me and said, oh, Pastor Lee, that was so awesome. You got really, you went down under the power. I said, I didn't go down under the power. I just got slapped silly. <laughs> I was actually going, ow. <laughs> now, I love that person. I'm not bashing that person. But, you know, we don't need to do that. I don't have to end up on the floor to prove that God moved. <laughs> Hello? And you don't have to push anybody to the floor to prove that God moves. When I pray for people, actually the Bible says you should be gentle. So I pray, I just barely, you know, I might put my hand on their shoulder or their forehead or, you know, I'm just praying. And if, if they go down, this, that's awesome. God moved, okay? God did something. Uh, but you know what? If I push, then that wasn't God moving, that was me. I don't want the oil of the Spirit mixed with, with my sweat or my agenda. And sometimes the church is just doing stuff. We're just, it's just human sweat doing stuff, and we're trying to prove that God's moving, and it's actually not God. Folks, we need to press in to get the fresh, genuine, authentic anointing of the Spirit. And sometimes I've been in meetings where nobody fell on the floor, but the Spirit of God came so heavy that they were un people were on their faces weeping. And man, I'll take that over any human manufactured move of God. I want the real thing. Let's don't, let's don't fake the Holy Spirit, amen, because you're going to quench the Spirit. If you push... If you're just doing your thing, the Holy Spirit's going to go, okay, I'll wait until you let me move. <laughs> and he's waiting for us to get out of the way. So tell somebody next to you, don't push.
Okay, so uh, this next point that I want to make is going to be a little personal. It's going to be a little, you know, awkward, but I am learning that we have to preach the, the real truth these days with what we are facing in our country. And that is we cannot corrupt the spirit. Don't corrupt the spirit. That means you cannot mix the Holy Spirit's power. You cannot maintain the Holy Spirit's flame in your life if you are living in any kind of sexual sin. Now, this is, this is uh, kind of awkward to talk about these days because our whole culture now has been saturated with sexual sin and we are being bombarded like never before by this stronghold. It's coming from Hollywood. It's coming from the news media. It's coming from, from our academic world. It's coming from our government. It's coming from our elected officials. It's coming from our elementary and high school teachers who are pushing a certain agenda on our country saying you have to conform to this. It's basically in our nation right now, King Nebuchadnezzar is commanding everybody to bow down to the golden idol. And folks, we are going to have to have the backbone to stand up and say, I ain't bowing to that. And we have to do it in the church. And unfortunately, in the church, we have a lot of people who are also bowing down to this idol. I was just recently in a small town in North Carolina. And the pastor of a growing church in that town, which was on the outskirts of the city, uh, and I, I was preaching at that church, and it's a wonderful church. Uh, it's, it's a charismatic, spirit-filled church. It's, it's actually becoming the biggest church in that city. Uh, but we went downtown, and we uh, came to the like, like central square of that small town, and there were four different churches that had been there for many, many years. If I said the names of the denominations, you would all know what they were. There was one on this corner, one on this corner, one on this corner. They were all downtown, and they were all closed, shut down. Why? Because those churches, those denominations chose to compromise with the world. They chose to bow down to these idols. They said, oh, we're going to conform to the world. We're going to affirm whatever you want. We're gonna, God loves everybody. God doesn't care about Old Testament boundaries, and they basically changed the rules. They met together in their denominational meetings, and they voted to change God's moral law. And what happened? The fire went out. Let me tell you, folks, the fire is going out in many what we call mainline churches in America, it will be soon that you will see those churches are being sold, they're turning into libraries, they're turning into, uh, you know, restaurants, or maybe a spirit-filled church might come along and buy those buildings. But let me tell you, any church that has compromised with God's moral law 
the fire went out. And they may be able to have some meetings for a little while and they can fly some flags in front of their church and they can put some big banners in front of their church. But let me tell you, they aren't going to be around for too much longer. Where are the people going to be? They're going to be in places where the fire is. They're going to be in places where the gospel is preached. They're going to be in places where people still believe the word of God is the inspired word of scripture. Amen? And so we are going to have to step back and we can't just look with pride at those churches and think, oh, well, we're the people who are keeping the flame. Let me tell you, folks, right here in the spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal churches, the enemy wants to get in and he wants to get us to compromise in those areas. And you have got to be committed to personal holiness. I minister to a lot, as I said, to a lot of young adults, and this is the main arena right now of conflict for young adults is in this area of sexuality. And they're struggling because this world is saturated with porn, and there's so much temptation going out there. And then we have these voices, and, and people will come to me, and they'll say, well, you know, the Bible is really not that clear about this. And I'm going, which Bible are you reading? <laughs> Let me read to you from the Bible, this verse, from 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 3. This is Paul in one of the many places in the New Testament where he affirmed New Testament uh, values about sexual purity, okay? It's not fuzzy. It's not gray. It's not unclear. It couldn't be more clear. Paul says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain. Everybody say abstain. That's not, a, that's not a popular word today. Abstain from sexual immorality, which, by the way, nowadays we have to define what that means. What is immorality? It is any kind of sexual behavior that is outside the boundaries of God-ordained marriage between one man and one woman. Anybody wants to shoot me over this? This is what Scripture says. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So, listen, this is what's important here. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Very, very important to read that because it's saying that if we reject God's boundaries in terms of sexual purity, that has an effect on the Holy Spirit's power in your own life. You're going to put the fire out if you compromise in that area. It got real quiet. That's okay. Let it settle in your spirit. There's some people in here today that you know that you've been tempted to bow down to those idols. You've got people in your life that are bowing down to those idols. And there's some warfare going on in your mind. Today, I want you to settle that with God and draw some clear lines so that you can keep the flame blazing in your life. 
Number four, don't limit the spirit. The reason why I have that little bitty church there is because that's what we often do. We put God in a box and we say, Lord, you can do what what you want to do, but you have to do it in this space. There's a lot of Christians who have done that. There are Christians today meeting in churches probably near us that teach that God doesn't do miracles anymore. They teach that after the New Testament was compiled and after we had the Christian Bible, that God flipped a switch, turned off the power, and that we didn't need the Holy Spirit's power anymore. I don't know about you, but I think the Spirit is, he wants to move today like never before. The book of Acts did not end. We're now, there's chapter 28, and that's the last chapter in the book of Acts, but God's Spirit has been moving through history. Amen? And our broken world needs the power of God. So let's don't limit God's power. Let's don't limit what he can do. And let's don't limit what he can do through you. Because that's where it really gets tough. Is that maybe we come to the Rhodes Church and we're all excited about what God's doing. We're excited for what Pastor Chad's preaching. We're excited for the ministry team and all that we're doing in this church. But when it comes to what does God want to do through you, a lot of times our attitude is, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as it's not A, B, and C. And some of you have put a lid on what God can do through you. There's women in this room that said, I, I, I don't really feel like I can do that because I'm a woman. There's some of you who said, I don't think I can do that because I'm too old. Some of you thought, I don't think I can do that because of something that happened to me years ago. And you feel like you're disqualified for that. Stop limiting what God can do through your life. The Bible says when we worship him, there's a posture that he's looking for. It's this. He's looking for our hands to be raised. And that means... We say, Lord, here am I. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm not going to put a lid on that. I'll do whatever you call me to do because I know you'll give me the strength and the power to do it. And we're not going to let our fears stop us. I allowed that in my own life for many years. I was a journalist. I was very content to sit behind a computer. And then God started telling me he wanted me to speak. And I was not interested in that. I told him, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as I don't have to talk in front of people. But I had to surrender that. I had to break that lid off of my life. And after I did, I started going to nations. And now I've been to 39 countries. Because I said, yes. I took the limitation off. You see, if you take the limitation off, the fire is going to blaze hotter. It's going to blaze brighter because you're not putting that flame in a container and saying only this. You know, we used to sing a song when I was a kid. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And it was like we had a little birthday cake candle that we were carrying around. That worked when I was five years old. But let me tell you, today I don't need a birthday cake candle. I need a blowtorch. You need a blowtorch. You don't just need a little bitty light. You need the fire blazing in your life. 
And it starts by you saying this, here am I, Lord, send me. Even if it scares me to death, send me. Even if I'm afraid, help me, Lord, to step out of my boat onto the water. Don't limit the Holy Ghost and what he can do in your life. That's why the flame isn't blazing in some people's lives. Because instead of praying, here am I, Lord, send me, they, send, they say, here am I, Lord, send Chad. Here am I, Lord, send Mona. That's what we do. We don't think it's really our calling to do those things. And God is saying, if you'll just step over the line into that place of unpredictable, surprising Pentecost, I'll amaze you. And I'll cause your flame to blaze. There's people in this room today that you know deep down you're called to be doing more than you do right now. And you're limiting God, but he's saying today, I want you to break that. And I want you to allow that flame to blaze. And this is prophetic, y'all, because this church, God is putting a spotlight on you. And he's saying, I've got some stuff I want you as a church to do. But right now, there's not enough sleeves rolled up. Right now, there's a lot of people who are more in a spectator mentality. And the Lord's telling me to tell you, if you want the fire blazing in your life, you can't be a spectator anymore. You're gonna, I don't know where you sign up for this. You can talk to Bona. I believe God is saying this is a recruitment season. It's a recruitment season for the Rhodes Church. And this is also true in Mount Carmel and in Carlinville. He's asking people to roll up their sleeves and say yes. Y'all still love me? Last, this last point, and then we're going to pray. Do not grieve the Spirit. All these other things we talked about are really between you and God. you got to sort those out. But grieving the Spirit is not just about you and God. It's about you and how you treat other people. Because did you know that the way you treat people will affect the flame of the Spirit in your life? If you're talking about people behind their backs... If you're bitter towards somebody, if you are stirring up drama in your home or in your, in your relationships, the Bible says that grieves the spirit. So if you want the flame blazing, that means we got to be in right relationship with one another. We have to be quick to repent to one another. And we have to make sure there's not any bitterness or resentment in our lives. That means we have to let go of our hurts. That even means we have to let go of our church hurts. You know, I see so many people today, they come to me and tell me, well, I, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I just watch online. I just stay home because, you know, I can get what I need from a pastor or from this, I, you know, I enjoy this worship team. I go to this church for this pastor and this church for this worship and I can get what I need, and I don't need to be around people. 
because people are the problem. And I'm going, yeah, well, guess what? So are you. Like I said yesterday, if you're looking for the perfect church, good luck. But when you join it, it's not going to be perfect anymore. We got to let go of our hurt. And there's some people in this room right now. And you're here, but you're like this. And you know what? If you're like this because of, you know, I'm afraid to get hurt or I've got bitterness in my heart toward this or I've got hurt toward this person, the flame of God is not blazing in your life. You have to go back to the Holy Spirit. You have to get healed and forgiven of that. And then the flame will return. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed For the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That covers it all. And it says... If you want the flame blazing in your life, you can't have those attitudes. We got to get rid of the resentment, the bitterness, the hurt. You have to let go of it. And then the flame will blaze again. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.